Good morning, everybody. Glad you're here. Good to see you. I know Aaron's kind of already gone over some stuff, and I know he told you about our Wednesday night thing, but did he tell you that this Wednesday night we are going to talk about the greatest, most powerful relationship dynamic of all time? Did he say those words? What we're going to talk about this Wednesday night at 6 o'clock is the greatest, most powerful relationship dynamic of all time. And if you're not using this dynamic in your relationships they're not as good as they could be. And when you learn this relationship dynamic, it changes everything. So I hope you'll join us for that. One thing I know Aaron did not tell you, I don't know where he is, but today's his 30th birthday. He made it to 30. He made it to, I got socks that old. He, he ain't done nothing yet, 30 years old. Happy birthday, Aaron, love you. This is uh, part four of a series we've called uh, How to Live with Your Lions and Not Get Eaten for Lunch. And uh, last week we took a break and we did uh, some service projects in the community, but we're back today because we all have lions. We all have lions in our life. Maybe yours looks like depression or anxiety. Maybe yours looks like laziness or anger. Uh, maybe yours looks like addiction. Maybe yours looks like grief. Uh, throughout your life, you're always going to have lions. We all have them, and we always will. They are like the Dallas Cowboys. They never go away. <laughs> Leave us alone. We know it's your year. We know it's your year. It's been your year for the last 30. We know. Leave us alone. They're just like the kids. They just never go away. Your lions never go away. You're always going to face some lions. And it's worse than that, okay? I'm trying to build a case that having lions is bad news. It's bad news to have lions. You're always going to have them, but it's worse than that. Here's what Peter tells us. Peter says to stay alert for our, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. And then Peter uses these words to describe the way our great enemy, the devil, interacts with us. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. So let me just catch you up. What we've said so far is that there are some lions in your life that you have to chase down and kill. We looked at a man named Benaiah, and we looked at a dude named David who they recognized the lion in their life, and they recognized that that lion was such a threat that it wasn't just their lion. That lion was threatening the people that they love. It was threatening families. And so when you have a lion in your life that is hurting the people you love, you need to follow their example, chase it down, and kill it. They did some drastic, crazy stuff to kill those lions, and you might have to as well. But then we learned from Daniel that there are some lions that you just have to live with. Like Daniel had to spend the night with some lions, not one, not two, but a whole den of them, a whole family of lions. He had to spend the night with them. God did not allow Daniel to kill his lions. He had to live with them, and so will you. You'll have to live with some lions. They're just, they're just not going to go away. And once you happen to kill one, well, they hunt in packs, right? And so another one's coming, and they'll just keep coming for you. So you have to figure out some kind of strategy to deal with your lions. 
So learning to live with your lions, when I say that, I'm not saying you have to tame your lion. Do you know you can't do that? It's physically impossible to tame a lion. You can coerce a lion and you can manipulate a lion. You can even get them to perform in your magic acts. But sooner or later, they're going to snap. If you have a cat, you understand this. Sooner or later, it's going to snap and try to kill you. Ask uh, anybody old enough to remember Siegfried and Roy? Thought their lions were tamed and all friendly and one day, nope. So it's not about taming your lions. It's just learning to live with them, uh, being constantly aware that that lion is there. Constantly aware that that lion's role in life is not to be friends with you. It's not to serve you. It's to kill you, take you out, devour you, as the word Peter used. Just constant awareness of the danger of your lion. And the lion we're going to look at today it's one we have to learn to live with, and I think it's one of the most dangerous lions that a Jesus follower can face. And it's taking some of us out. Our culture tells you that this lion that we're about to look at is friendly and nice and fluffy, and you can pet him, he won't bite. In fact, your culture tells you multiple times a day, you're, just all the time, every day, just because you're an American, that this lion is okay. And, and, and this lion is a struggle because you're a human being. And you come from the factory with this lion chasing you. We are going to look at the lion called the greed lion. It's deadly, it's dangerous, and it's taking some of you out. The greed lion. There was a fantastic, in-depth, ridiculously huge study done by Science Direct. And I'm not going to read it all to you, but they did a study on what they call dispositional greed. And they were looking at the good, the bad, and the ugly of greed scientifically. How does it affect our culture? And how does it affect us individually? And I just want to give you what they found when it comes to here's how greed affects the individual. What they discovered was that greedy people have lower satisfaction in life than most people. They have less emotional stability than most people. They have a negative sense of well-being. They have a lower sense of self-esteem. Greedy people trust less in others than other people. They have lower levels of happiness less honesty, less humility, and lower agreeableness. Greedy people have higher levels of psychopathy, higher levels of narcissism, and higher levels of Machiavellianism. Now, if you don't know what Machiavellianism is, I just left that in the list because it's really fun to say. Machiavellianism. Check it out. Look it up. Not now. Do it later. But higher levels of that. And it's not a good thing by the way. So what I think is, and I don't know about you, but if I was just to print that list, all those things that greed does to individuals, none of you are willingly signing up for that, right? Anybody willingly signing up for it? I would like to be lower in my self-esteem. I would like to trust people less. I would like to have lower levels of happiness. I would like to be more psychopathic. Anybody want to sign up for this list voluntarily? Nobody. And the reason we don't sign up for this and yet still get eaten by this lion is we have an incomplete understanding of what greed is. 
you have been taught, I have been taught by our culture that greed is give me more. Specifically, more money, right? Give me more, 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 more power, more money, more stuff, more authority. Just give me more, more, more. That is, if greed is this big, understanding greed as give me more is about this big. Greed is so much bigger than just give me more. And so we need a more complete, a more full understanding of what greed is. And the scripture is super helpful and the science behind this study backs this up. The scriptural idea of greed is living as if or living like all I have is all for me. That's how the Bible defines greed. All I have is all for me. All I have is all for me. Now, I don't think any of us, you know, have that tattooed on our arms or none of us are saying that as a life motto, but it's a trap we fall into. Um, one of our purposes today is to give you um, some tangible things that you can do with greed in your life. There are um, three areas where I see Jesus followers specifically being taken out by the greed lion. Three specific areas. There's money greed, the obvious one. And when you have money greed, it's budgeting like all my money is all for me. And then there's a second one, and it's time greed. And time greed is scheduling like all my time is all for me. And then the third one, maybe not so obvious, is talent greed, where all my skills and abilities are used only for me. Now, greed, if you don't know this, uh, greed is your default operating system. You came from the factory wired with greed, with an idea that all I have is all for me. Don't believe me. All you have to do is come hang out with my family sometime when all the grandkids are together. I've got these toddler grandkids. They don't even know what the word greed is. But you put them on the floor with a bunch of toys, and each one of them thinks all the toys are mine and you can't have it. I'm playing with that one. I know I'm not touching it or looking at it, but it's in my area, and so it's mine. Everything is mine. This is how toddlers think. You with me? Anybody ever seen a child interact with another child? This is how they do it. This is how you were raised. This is, you just come with that DNA. And we come from the factory with this lion chasing us. And many of us, we are already in its grip. And so my warning for you today is if you don't break the grip of greed, it's eventually going to break you. It's going to bite you in half and kill you. Greed is a mean, terrible, dangerous, nasty lion you've got to learn to live with. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, and he loves to unleash this one on us because it's so easy for us to fall victim to the greed lion. Uh, in fact, there's only one way to break the grip of greed in your life. There's just one way. The only way to break the grip of greed in your life is give. 
That's it. Sounds simple, right? But it's not as simple as it sounds. The only way for you not to get eaten for lunch by the greed lion is to learn to give. And you just sang about the greatest example ever given to us of giving, right? John 3.16 is how God demonstrates his love for us. This is how much God loved the world. He gave. At his heart, at his core, our God is a giver. He gives. It's what he does. He, He loves us so much he was willing to give his son. It's an amazing verse, amazing truth. If you're going to break the grip of greed in your life, there are three ways you're going to have to do it. I'm going to give you three very practical ways. I'm going to stop. We're going to worship, and we'll go watch the Dallas Cowboys. Is that today or tomorrow? Six o'clock? It doesn't matter. They're going to lose, y'all. They're going to, it's not your year. It's never your year. I love you, but... Here we go. Let's break money's grip. The only way, as a Jesus follower, to break, to break the grip of money, some of y'all, all y'all heard was, a preacher hates the Cowboys, and that's all you're going to hear today. I, I, I apologize. I shouldn't have gone there. I just get so distracted. Let's break the money grip, okay? Come back, come back to the light. Let's talk about the money grip. Uh, the, the, money, the greed money, the how to break its grip, and the only way is to tithe. Now, a tithe is a weird Old Testament word, and it literally means that you give 10% of what you make back to God through the place where you worship. That's tithing in a nutshell. So if you make 100 tons of grain, you would give a tenth of that, 10 grains, to God through the place that you worship. Don't show up with grain. I mean, that's how it was done in the Old Testament. We make, what do we make? Say the word. We make money. We make cashola. And so the biblical idea is, the biblical principle is, whatever you make, you give 10% of it back to God through the place where you worship. And the prophet Malachi, he is a great read. You should read him. He's the last book of the Old Testament. God speaks to the prophet Malachi Uh, speaks to his people, and then for 500 years, God doesn't say another word until John the Baptist shows up. So the book of Malachi is really important. And in the book of Malachi, we are told this is the only area of life. This is the one and only area where you can test God. You can put God to the test in this area and see if he's faithful or not. You're not just told you can do that. You are encouraged to do that, to trust God with 10% of your cashola. And people tell me all the time, that's an Old Testament thing. That's an Old Testament thing. We live in the New Testament, to which I say, yeah, you're correct. That is Old Testament, and you're correct. We are in New Testament days. But Jesus himself in Matthew 23 literally said these words, yes, you should tithe. You're just arguing with Jesus, not me. Yes, you should tithe. It's kind of like a no-brainer to Jesus. So here's a timeout just for West Main people. Um, I told you a few weeks ago that our budget was way behind for the year, uh, and you responded like you always do. You guys are so dang generous. It's scary how generous you guys are. Uh, You responded with great generosity, and we're super, super grateful for your generosity. 
But we set aside September as a special offering month to catch our budget up and then um, to kind of bring attention to the fact that we're almost done paying off our loan. Now, this is just for West Main folks. So if you're a guest, so glad you're here. You don't have to pay attention to this. Um, five or six years ago when the Great Flood happened and we lost our building and then we had to destroy our building and cart it off and remodel other buildings so we could make up for the space we lost, we borrowed, somebody help me if I'm wrong, but close to like 400 grand to do that. Does that sound right? Somebody in finance, anybody? Uh, Dean's way, you're shaking your head so it's got to be right. So we, we had to borrow like almost half a million dollars to do all that. We're almost done paying it off. Yeah, let me tell you how much we owe. Let me tell you how much we owe. You're, gonna, you're not going to believe this. We owe $6,000. That's awesome, isn't it? So here's what we're going to do in September. We've set aside this week, next week, and the next week as just September special offering month. And if you want to give something above to get your church back on track, to get the note paid off, there's a tab on the giving app that literally says September special offering. If you're a check writer, you can just write in a memo, September special offering. Any money that comes in under that tab, the first thing we're going to do with it is pay off our loan and be done. And then the rest of it we're going to put in our budget so that we can catch up with our, with our yearly budget. Does that make sense? Awesome. Thank you. Uh, I, I put this in my notes because I, I, I want to make sure I say this because I know this is going to happen. Thank you today for your generosity tomorrow. <laughs> I just know you people. And there is not a more generous family of believers I have ever been associated with. Y'all are so generous. So thank you in advance for praying about that and for giving. Awesome. Two other needs. So if you're not a West Maniac, you can check back in. So here's two more things. Breaking time's grip. When you're, when you're greedy with your time, you just get busy. Every expert, whatever they are anymore, they will tell you that we are the busiest generation of people in the history of people. And for some of you as Jesus followers, your busyness is making you miss a lot of God's greatest blessings. And so the only way to break that grip is to prioritize. And lucky for you, next week, this is all we're talking about. We're going to talk about um, how to prioritize your time. We're going to look at the busy lion and how he's killing some of you. And uh, the bottom line for next week is when our priorities are out of whack, the busy lion will attack. Come on, that's, that's good, isn't it? Come on, where's Mike? Come on, Mike. Oh, man. When I, when I try to rhyme, it's always bad. It's always bad. Anyway, that's next week, how to break the, the grip of busyness. The third area is talent, the talent grip. And the only way to break that grip is just to serve. And lucky for you, in two weeks, when we look at the me first lion, we're going to give you details on how to break the grip there, the, the, the talent grip and how to serve. So our worship leaders, look at you guys. They're here already before I even ask them to come. That's awesome. I want to go back to this thought, and then we're going to close. Greed is living as if all I have is all for me. All I have is all for me. Now, I know that none of you have that painted on driftwood hanging in your den, right? None of you have probably even thought that. You've probably never formed that thought in your brain. 
None of you, I know this for a fact, I, I, I think, I don't think any of you have ever said to another human being, listen, all I have is all for me. But I want to ask you a question. Even though you've never probably thought that, you've probably never said that, what does your budget say? Like, where is your money going? What does your checkbook say about how you really think and believe about your money? Is it all for you? Is it all going to some bank? Is it all going to some loan? What does your budget say? What does your calendar say? Where is all your time being spent? Is it all being spent for you? Just your tiny little circle? What does your calendar say? And what do your gifts and abilities say? Who is benefiting from all of your gifts and abilities? Is it just you? Who, who is blessed because of your talents? See, none of us would come out and say, all I have is all for me. But we fall into that trap all the time. It's just an easy trap to fall into. And the only way to break it is to give. And I want to I read to you what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. In the greatest sermon ever preached, Jesus said this. Specifically about, just for me, he said, the measure with which you give is the measure with which it will be given back to you. You ever heard that before? That's an interesting thing Jesus is saying. And what he's saying is, whatever implement you choose to give to God, God will use that same implement to give back to you. So, if you want to use a teaspoon to give to God, God's going to take that same teaspoon and give his blessings back to you. Does that make sense? If you want to use a bucket to give to God, then God's going to take that same bucket and fill it with his blessings and he's going to give it back to you. If you want to use a dump truck to give of what you have to God, then God's going to take that dump truck and give blessings back to you. When it comes to your money and your time and your talent, there's really only two choices. You have two choices with all your money, all your time, and all your talent. If you just take a hand like this, you just take one of your hands and just make a fist. Hold, hold tight. This is choice number one. This is all I have is all for me. All my money is all for me. All my time is all for me. All my talent is all for me. Now, if you hold on tightly enough, nothing is getting in there. Am I right? Like if you try to poke something in my hand, you could not do it because I am holding on so tightly to all I have. There is room for nothing else. Nothing else is getting in my life. That's choice A. Choice B is to view all you have as though God gave it to you and he requires it back one day. And so in order to give back, you have to hold on loosely. Thank you, 38 Special. You have to hold on loosely to all the things that God gave you because all the things in your life, they're from him. I don't know if anybody's ever told you this before or not. All your money, God gave it to you. All your time, God gave it to you. 
All your talent, you better believe God gave it to you. And so you have to hold on real loosely for two reasons. One, God's going to take some of that and use it for his glory. And two, he wants to put stuff back in your hand. He wants to give you more. He wants to give you more blessings. He wants to give you more peace. I think he wants to give you more money. I can't tell you how many people have told me, I started tithing and now I have more money than I did before. I don't understand. I don't know how to tell you how that works. That's just God. That's just how it works. When you live with an open hand, when you live with the understanding that all you have is not all for you, all you have is from God, then you make room in your life for him to give you more and more and more. That's what I want for you. I want you to face that evil lion of greed, and I want you to win every time. Let's pray together, and we'll worship with these guys. Lord, I guess first I just want to say thank you that you are a giver. I cannot imagine my life if you chose to hold on tightly to your blessings, to your favor, to your gifts, to your love. If you held on tightly to those things, I would not have salvation today. I would not have peace in my heart. I would not have confidence. I would not have purpose to live for. And so I thank you, God, that you give. And the fact that you would give your own son for people like me, people like us, we are so grateful. Help us, God, to never get eaten for lunch by the greed lion. Help us, as we follow your example, to also be givers. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.